Hi, I'm Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you, and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Today's guest is Douglas Gardner. Doug is Arizona's top-rated divorce attorney. He's a named partner, Davis Miles McGuire Gardner, and he's a heck of a guy. Doug, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Bob. Thanks for having me. You know, recently you've been out helping people try to save their marriages. You wrote a book, Amazing Attentions, which is a guide for, from a divorce attorney and how not to get divorced. Um, is it even legal for a divorce attorney to give advice on how to save your marriage? I mean, that sounds like a conflict of interest. Yeah, I, I have answered that question a few times, which means you're not the first to ask it. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, uh, if, if you're in a, in a wreck and on the side of the road and the first person that shows up and it's a, a mortician, you, know, you may feel like there's a little conflict of interest when he starts giving you CPR right. or mouth to mouth that, you know, he right. may be hoping you die so he gets a job or, or yeah. the plumber, you know, the plumber's at your house and the plumber's snaking your toilets. The plumber makes more money when your drain doesn't work. Uh, but at the same time, these guys do know a lot about their business. And so, you know, the mortician, if a mortician tells you, hey, I, I've seen a lot of people dead from touching that or from doing that, well, <laughs> right, right. listen to what they're saying. And same thing with the plumber, uh, you know, in this time of COVID-19 and toilet paper shortages, if the, to if the plumber says, you know, you really shouldn't uh, flush down that spare sock that you used because you're out of toilet paper down the toilet because <laughs> it's going to clog your drains. Yeah. He probably knows what he's doing. He probably knows what he's telling you. So, uh, you know, there, there may be some potential conflict of interest there and, and you shouldn't be getting all of your legal advice, I'm sorry, all of your marital advice from me. But at the same time, there's a lot I can teach people about how to save their marriage or how to destroy their marriage if that's the direction they want to go. Oh, I'm certain you have a lot of stories to tell. We, we, we can tell a few today. Yeah, okay. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and we were discussing the issues around COVID-19 and, and he says to me, and, and you have to have some, some background. My friend has known the heartache of divorce and knows that it, it's just, it's painful. And he says to me, I bet you there's going to be a lot of family law issues coming up following the COVID-19 crisis as people have been sequestered with their spouses and on significant others. And, you know, he says the first week is going to be great, right? We're, you're snuggling on the couch, you're watching movies, you're going on walks during the day, which you've never done. And after that, he says, the honeymoon might, might be over. And I, I hope that's not true. Have you heard this? Uh, yes, I have. I mean, they've, I, I saw a new term I've never heard of before called spousalation, that we're being, uh, you know, isolated right. with our spouse. And so I, I think this is going to have two effects on marriages. It's either going to help a marriage or it's going to hurt a marriage. Uh, nothing's going to be the same after this is done. Uh, so how do you use this time while you're in spousalation or spouse and kidsalation uh, is going to be very important. Uh, the rest of your question, yes, we do expect that divorces are going to go up shortly. 
I will say that with courts being shut down and with nobody able to leave their house, we have not gotten as many new clients coming in this week and probably next week. I think it's going to slow down a little bit, uh, but it is going to get very busy. And my prediction by the end of the year is that we will have more divorces in 2020 than in 2019 because a lot of people aren't uh, dealing with this spouse relation very well. We kind of see the same thing around uh, you know, Christmas and New Year. Nobody wants to file for divorce right before Christmas. Nobody wants to be that person who uh, you know, splits the kids up right before Christmas. And so uh, generally people try and stay together or keep the status quo through Thanksgiving, Christmas. But then guess what happens? You spend Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's with your in-laws and a little alcohol involved and all of a sudden uh, January 1st comes along and guess what your New Year's resolution is? You know, a lot of people then file for divorce in January. So we see this, you know, in January, I'm sorry, December and January together, we probably have more uh, divorces than any other two months, even though December itself is a little bit slower because we get that boost from people being together, uh, kids home from school for two weeks over Christmas, people spending time with their family. Uh, and it's kind of sad to say that, that spending time with your family is a cause of divorce, but you know, spending time with your family when you don't know how to get along with them, spending time in a stressful situation with your family, uh, if you're not careful and if you don't follow certain steps, it, it may lead to a divorce. So my advice, be careful and we can talk more about what that means. Yeah, I, I, I think you're exactly right that you have to be careful with your relationships, that, you, that you're paying particular attention that these crises that we're experiencing in our personal lives because of COVID-19 doesn't lead to the tragedy. I know you, Doug, you've been married for 24 years happily. You've got a wonderful wife, five beautiful children. This is not something that you want to inflict upon people. Am I right? You're correct. And my wife says we've been ha happily married for 22 years, married for 24 years. I mean, every, <laughs> every, mar every marriage has uh, challenges. And if anybody says their marriage hasn't been challenged, they were probably married yesterday. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Uh, my take, I mean, I make my money, make my living divorcing people. But, but other, than, other than that rare exception where somebody comes in and they've been very significantly abused by their spouse, those are the only people I say, yes, you really do need a divorce. For everybody else, whether or not they get a divorce, I don't feel like it's my decision to make. When a client comes in and they've made their mind up that they want to get a divorce, I'm going to help them make sure they get a fair settlement. I'm going to help them, if we go to trial, help make sure that we get a fair outcome in the case. Uh, but I don't feel like it's my job to do that. For me, I, I, you know, I do believe in marriage. I do believe that uh, more people should try a little harder to get married or stay married. Uh, few less people should file for divorce. Again, I'm not going to impose that on people who come in and need me as an attorney to be to uh, help them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I do sleep a little better at night knowing that I'm trying to uh, help some people save their marriages if their marriage is savable. Yeah, I like that. It, that's so important. One of the things that I saw. Uh, from your work recently is you had this blog article and he had five different things someone can do in order to try to survive the COVID-19 with a marriage intact. And, and I liked it, it was simple, but there was some universal truth there. Well, the first thing you said was share the chocolate cake. He wanted us to share the chocolate cake. Sure. And, and some of the cover art on my book is a, a piece of chocolate cake. And, and this is a very important story. 
that really is a, a very solid base for people understanding the, the concepts in my book. So let's talk about chocolate cake. I've got three older boys, all close enough to the same age that they were uh, very competitive one with another. If I, I learned very quickly that if I put out a piece of cake and told the oldest boy, cut this into three pieces, make sure everybody gets a piece. He would get a very large piece. The other two boys would each get a crumb. Uh, now, instead of that, what I learned to do is to give the oldest boy, or, or I guess I could share the, the pain and let others do it, but give one of the boys a chocolate cake and say, look, you're going to cut this into three pieces. The other two boys then get to pick first. Whatever's left, that's your piece. Now, all of a sudden, these boys that struggled in math became geometrical geniuses. They could cut right. this cake in absolutely identical thirds because they knew that the smallest piece, if there was a smallest piece, they knew that was going to be theirs. Now, what does this story tell us about relationships? Well, very importantly, when we're looking out only for our interest, there's going to be people getting their feelings hurt. So in the example, if the oldest boy gets to cut the cake and looking out for his interest, there may be a reason in his mind why he should get the bigger piece. He's the oldest, he's the uh, smartest, he's the, he worked harder, he didn't sleep good last night, he's sick, whatever. He may be able to come up with some rationalization why he should get the biggest piece. And in his mind, that might make sense to him. Now, I doubt the other two boys are going to agree with that, but in his <laughs> mind, he may be able to explain why he should get the bigger piece. But when we know that we're, we're having to see the world from our spouses, or in, in my story, the other two brothers' perspective, we're going to look at this and say, I want to make sure that the piece of cake that's left is the same as all the others because I, you know, I want to make sure that everybody's treated fairly. So as we then start trying to make sure all the proverbial pieces of cake are the same, so our spouse and I are, are on the same terms, we're seeing things more from their perspective, our relationships are going to significantly improve. And, and that's a big part of what I teach people is when, when they listen, uh, is that by seeing the world through your spouse's eyes, you're going to be able to tremendously improve your marriage. And, and that's the story of the chocolate cake. Yeah, I like that. It, I mean, there's something so equitable about that, that we look after another person's interests. One of the other things you said was you want us to judge others by their intentions. What do you mean by that? Well, in, in the name of the book, Amazing Intentions, tells a lot about that. So uh, we, we tend to without direction or without help from your divorce attorney, we, we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. And then we tend to judge other people by their actions. And so what that means is we can read our minds. So we go out and do something and it makes somebody mad. We don't, I mean, most of the time we're not walking around thinking, Hey, how can I make my wife mad? How can I make my uh, partners mad? How can I make my kids mad? But we tend to make people mad over time and that happens. And so when that, when that does happen, we, we push back and say, well, I didn't mean to make you mad. I didn't try to make you mad. So, but the problem is the other person can't read our mind as far as what we intended. They can only see our actions. And, and a good example of this, I mean, we see this on the playground with young kids. You have two kids, let's use second graders or kindergartners. They're out playing on the playground. One of them, you know, they're both playing rough and one of them falls down, scrapes their knee. They're now bleeding. What do you hear the two kids say? The one that fell down and is hurt says, I hurt and you did it on purpose. The other one says, oh, I'm sorry. Don't be mad at me. I'm sorry. Well, let's look at it from both persons' perspective for a second. Does saying you're sorry mean that the blood stops bleeding and the knee stops hurting? No. 
So why do we even bother to say, I'm sorry? Well, hopefully they'll then be a little less mad at us for, for pushing them or tripping them, or maybe they trip themselves, but they're less mad at us because they're understanding, you know, I guess we'd be more mad at somebody who intentionally pushed us down than somebody who right. accidentally pushed us down. The blood doesn't change, the pain doesn't change, but hopefully we'd be less mad at them. And so when I say learn to judge other people by their intentions, we're, we're kind of saying learn to read their mind, learn to think, you know, if, if your spouse does something that makes you mad, think for a second, is she really, did I really marry the kind of person that's going to purposely, intentionally go out and try and make me miserable? And for most people, the answer is no. Now, do our spouses sometimes make us miserable? Absolutely. But typically, they're not doing it to make us miserable. They're doing it for some other reason. And when we can learn to read their mind and try and dig deeper, what were their intentions? What were they really trying to do? then we're more likely to be forgiving of them to see that. So an example, you know, the other night, uh, my wife got mad at me because I, I loaded the dishwasher. I don't usually do dishes, but I helped load the dishwasher uh, and I forgot to start it. And so initially she was a little mad at me for not starting the dishwasher. Now, part of me wanted to say, look, you didn't thank me for doing the dishes that are, you know, that she typically does. Uh, but so I wanted to kind of push back on her and say, hey, you know, these were my intentions. And that's kind of a, we, we use that as a running joke in our marriage to, uh, to get over confrontation when we have them. Uh, is, you know, the, the joke is, well, I had amazing intentions. If somebody's mad, we'll, we'll get each other to explain why they're mad at the other spouse. And, and the answer typically is, well, I had amazing intentions when I broke your shoe or, or you know, didn't start the dishwasher or fill in the blank. And sometimes it can become a, almost a laughing matter of, of what somebody intended to do versus what actually happened. I see what you're saying as that you're, what you're really asking spouses to do is give them the benefit of the doubt. It, they, the person has your best interest at heart. It may not have came out, came out that way, but they really do have your best interest at heart. And by giving that person's intentions the benefit of the doubt, I like that. It's simple. But the problem with saying, give the other spouse the benefit of the doubt is I can't fill up an entire book when you make it so simple, Bob. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just it comes out that way. Um, you also said, judge yourself by your actions. And this is kind of the inverse of the other one. So we, we, our, our instinct is to judge ourselves only by our intentions. So we go out and do something stupid. We forget to turn the dishwasher on and we want to defend ourselves. Well, I had amazing intentions. And so having amazing intentions helps to some degree, having those amazing intentions and expressing those to our spouse so that they can appreciate that we didn't intend to do something stupid uh, does help diffuse a, a conflict situation. But at the same time, if, if every time we do something wrong, we say, well, I had amazing intentions, so you know, go deal with it. Uh, that's the wrong thing. So the flip side then is we have to uh, while we're trying to read our spouse's mind and understand their intentions, we also have to take a realistic view of ourselves and our actions. And if we do something dumb, regardless of the intentions, we need to own up to it. We need to apologize for it. Sometimes it's really difficult to apologize for doing something stupid when we did have those amazing intentions. And so the, the having amazing intentions should not become an excuse or, or a way to get out of things. We should try to excuse our spouse and let them out of things because of their amazing intentions, which we need to look hard to see, but we need to be 
it's open with the fact that sometimes we have really stupid actions, even, even with amazing intentions, and we mean, need to be able to take responsibility for that and, and, and help the marriage go forward in that way. Yeah, I like that. The personal responsibility, getting your, I guess, getting yourself to look at yourself honestly. And also, there's something magical when, when we've done something, maybe not intentionally. I've been married 22 years and almost 23. And there's been times when I've done something, wasn't intentional, but it was hurtful. And there's something, there's something really important when you go to your spouse and you say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to offend you. I, I had amazing intentions. Yeah. And when the spouse hears that, I, and when I hear it come from my wife, it means a lot because it means that she cares. One of the things you said was in your blog that you want us to communicate expectations. Tell me about that. That seems like when I hear that, communicate my expectations, man, I, I don't know if I want to hear that, um, what my spouse's expectations are, but tell me what you really mean. Well, in short, the number one cause of frustration and, and the only cause of frustration is somebody had an expectation and that expectation wasn't met. I mean, think about that. And, and I, you know, if there's an exception to this rule that I've just made, tell me what it is. But, you know, if, if, if you get mad at your boss, it's because you expected something more than they gave you. If you get mad at your spouse, they didn't do what you wanted. Uh, you're mad at your kids because they didn't do their homework. Well, you had an expectation that they would have done their homework. Uh, you're mad at the guy who cut you off in traffic because you did not expect him to put his bumper six inches in front of your bumper. Uh, anytime we're frustrated or, or become angry, we have some expectation. Right now, there's a lot of people frustrated because of COVID-19 that nobody was expecting to have to stay at home for uh, six weeks. And, and so all of a sudden, there's a lot of people with frustration because their expectations of going on a spring break or traveling or, or whatever else they plan to do right now are not met. Uh, people went to the store expecting to buy toilet paper and the shelves were empty. They're frustrated. And so the cause of frustration is having an expectation that was unmet. Now with spouses, and again, I, part of this goes back to, you have to learn to read your spouse's mind. And so and the best way for my wife to read my mind is for me to tell her what's on my mind because I can read my mind and bluntly I'm the only one that can do it. She can read her mind and she's the only one who can do it. So as spouses then begin to communicate to the other what their expectations are, uh, it helps this mind reading that's so essential in, in being able to get along as a couple. And so, and what I'm not saying is you should sit your wife down and say, dear, from now on, my expectations is that life will go exactly this way. And if it doesn't, I'm going to fall for divorce. That's not all I'm saying. But it's really unfair to your spouse to get mad at them for not doing something that you never really expressed to them you wanted them to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do have clients who come in and they say they want to file for divorce because their spouse never, uh, you know, never, never takes them out on dates. And, and you know, again, because they've hired me as an attorney, I'm not their marriage counselor. I don't delve into it. But part of me starts to wonder, well, you know, did you did you sit down and say, you know, honey, I, I'd like to make sure we go out on a date every Friday night? You know, could could that simple of thing have changed the marriage? 
uh, you know, it, it, it is possible. So communicating to the other spouse what your expectations are, again, do it nicely, do it gently. It's not a demand list. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to cause, I'm not trying to, this is where the conflict of interest may arise. If, if you do this wrong, I, I might be self-serving here and creating more clients that I'm, uh, I'm trying to avoid here. But if, if you kindly communicate to your spouse what your expectations are, uh, this is going to be a fantastic improvement to your relationship and marriage. I do agree with that. I mean, just from a very practical standpoint, if my wife wants more time and she wants to go on a date or something similar to that, and if she communicates, Bob, I want to go out this Friday night or every Friday night or regularly. And if I hear that, I can then say, absolutely, we can do that. I, I can meet that. I'd love to do that. Similarly, if I'm a slob and I'm leaving my stuff around and my spouse, and that's making my spouse go crazy inside. And if she says, hey, can you help me out a little bit by picking up your stuff? Absolutely. I can make that change because I now know what she needs. And so it's so very simple, communicating your expectations and hearing back um, the change if, if it's possible. Sure. And, and, and taking your example just a little bit further, if your wife never tells you, hey, I do want to go out every Friday, uh, then you, you may just not know why every Friday she seems a little bit mad at you. And, and this goes on for a couple of years and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're mad at her because she's always mad at you. And, and we, we get this downward spiral that you're both now mad at each other. And, and you, by this time, you've both lost, you, neither of you remember why you're mad at each other, but you're both mad at each other because of the frustration built up in the marriage. And so it is important. And, and you brought up the socks. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, when I first started working as a divorce attorney, it was kind of hard on, uh, hard on my marriage in that it was hard on my own view of my marriage. It left me very feeling very insecure in my marriage. I felt like we'd had a very good marriage up to that point, but I'd go to work and talk to people and say, you know, hey, I need to file for divorce because my uh, my husband always leaves his socks out on the floor. And then I'd go home and my wife would say something like, you know, hey, can you pick up your socks once in a while? And you know, in, instead of that just being a, a little conversation about socks, all of a sudden I was worried that what she was really saying is she also wanted a divorce. Or I'd have a client come in and say, you know, hey, I need a divorce because my husband doesn't spend any time with us at home and doesn't spend any time with the kids. And I'd go home and then my wife would then communicate to me that, uh, you know, hey, can you, you know, spend a little more time with the kids? And, you know, I would go into a panic mode. Over time, what I learned is that people don't file for divorce because their socks on the floor and people don't file for divorce because the, their spouse is not spending enough time with the kids or whatever else. These, these are just, these are issues and, and the people filing for divorce may believe that that is the issue of why they're filing for divorce, but, but really deep down, I don't think those are the reasons they're filing for divorce. I think they're filing for divorce because the other spouse is not meeting their expectations and maybe because they haven't communicated them. And, but it's not just the socks. It would be because, there's, because they're not trying to see things from the other person's perspective, because they're not trying to read each other's minds, this is happening across the board. And the socks or the spending time with kids, these are just one instance of it that the spouse can rationalize or, or, or put into 
put into words, but really what they're expressing is this person's just not compatible with me or just not meeting my needs. Well, that's the complete lack of, of empathy, sympathy, uh, reading each other's minds and working together that we're talking about. Your last point was read together. Really? You want us to read together? Is it, why is that going to help? Well, and, and part of that was a, a very cheap self-promotion plug because what I say is read my book together. Okay. Uh, but, but let's go beyond that. So yes, I think, I think it would benefit both spouses to read my book uh, and then be able to talk about that. But regardless of whether it's my book or some other book on marriage, uh, some other book on relationships, or uh, some fun fictional book, reading together, spending time together, uh, having shared experiences helps us to, uh, to be happier with our spouse, to have those, you know, the best way I'm telling you to try and learn to read your spouse's mind. Well, the more you can share together, the more you can communicate together, the more you can discuss together, the more insights you're going to have into your spouse's mind. And the more you're sharing with your spouse, the more she, he, he or she is going to have insights into your mind. Uh, and so by, uh, by reading together, by doing activities together, and, and right now with, with, the, with the, everybody staying at home, those activities might be limited, but there's still things you can do together. By doing things together, by daydreaming together, if, if nothing else, you're, you're getting those shared experiences, you're building your relationship, you're, you're pulling together, and, and that is gonna significantly help with your marriage. So important. I think in times of crisis, generally, you either come close together or you come further apart. And I know that coming close together is a whole lot nicer. Yeah, I, I mean, that, there, there is, there's, there's two ways that a, a, any marriage or any relationship is gonna go by, by everybody being cooped up in the home together. There, there are gonna be relationships that come out of this much stronger, much better, much improved, and the rest of the people are gonna be lining up at my door and, and we're, gonna, uh, we're gonna be busy for the rest of 2020. Okay. Doug, thank you for coming in and sharing your insights on marriage. It's, it's interesting to hear a divorce attorney who has heard it all, heard people talk about it all, why they're getting divorced, to try to share their insights and what they've learned over this course of your career. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me.